0: Hello, world. Retrieving Brad and Christy from the cloud.
1: Hi, I'm your host, Christy Hornland.
0: And I'm Brad Rayford. Welcome to the Risk Factors, Perspectives and IoT podcast.
1: And today, we're continuing our conversation with Jason Howard Grau, Managing Director at KPMG US over the expectations and potential cyber risks that accompany connected electric vehicles. I think there's one interesting piece. So I think that, you know, we've talked about kind of the economical gain, the range, really kind of the charging, but also there was one point that you brought up earlier in the conversation, Jason, that I just want to bring back as another driver, which is the expectation of the end user having this as a connected piece. So some of those things, like even when you're talking about phone and thinking about time, I'm thinking, I've got, say, appointments that I have to get to, my phone notifies me about when I need to leave the house. And it's not something that I've set up, but it's something that I expect. And at this point, you know, it, it knows my behavior better than members of my own family. So I'm thinking, you know, are there implications of that as well coming out in terms of expectations over connectedness of not just an electric vehicle, but a, a connected vehicle?
2: No, it's a great point. I think one of the things that I've seen that Ford are doing extensively is they are building out this whole connected vision. Uh, the next next iteration of their vehicle is it's also an office. So they are literally already planning. With the F-150 Lightning, is a, a good example. I think also Rivian have done it um, with their with their EV. Um, Lordstown are doing it with their EV. I'm thinking all the trucks, sorry, because I'm you know I'm being biased towards trucks right now. But what we're definitely seeing the motor manufacturers are putting into play is okay. I need to engage you as part of the vehicle experience as we move towards automated vehicles. And here's a here's another part of the kind of consideration. By creating an electric vehicle with the ability to to do more without the physical combustion engine, you've got more space. You can do more with that space. You can add more electronics to it. The BMW iX, which is the latest generation of their electric vehicle range, which is looking to be super interesting. They're actually creating a far more connected experience. So if you're sitting in your car for 10 minutes waiting for it to charge, you can actually create your work office experience from that vehicle. Ford have done it. They've also, their, their infotainment system is now connecting, and Brady goes back to your point, where the heck do I go charge my vehicle? Ford are actually getting around some of that range of anxiety by creating, and this isn't a plug for Ford, I'm just, I know a bit more about them because I've done some research, uh, I promise. You know, they're all, they're, I'm pretty sure every manufacturer will do the same thing. Um, but materially, what we're seeing is that the manufacturers are starting to connect their infotainment system with the, the real world around them, saying, okay, you've got on the current consumption load you've got 120 miles left i'm going to plan for you to stop at this charging station which is part of our network which is 60 miles away that gives you x amount of buffer for you to be able to charge your vehicle and you can get because it's you know whatever it is fast charging capability you'll be able to be back on the road in 20 minutes to get to your destination it's now becoming much more integrated in terms of the planning and christy you made a really good point we've become immune to the fact that our technology basically now tells us where we should go and when we should do when we should go there and we all do it we just don't pay attention to it so it's not a, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you'll see that the the vehicles that we're going to drive in are a natural extension of that you know, you've seen apple are playing it, google are playing in this space extensively with their with their in-car their in-car services part and parcel of that's going to expand and um, i'm pretty much sure that what you'll see is not only are going to have a connected ev network You're going to have a connected environment within the vehicle that actually enables you to do everything else. And I think that's part of the, to Brad's point, how do I get you around your 30 minutes of sitting around twiddling your thumbs? Well, I'm going to create your vehicle as a one-stop shop for your office and infotainment. Why not just watch a film whilst you're waiting? Because you can, you can stream Netflix on your nice super jazzy screen. All the screens in cars have got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, So there's a lot of things that we could definitely do in this space. And I think you'll see more of that. Now, the challenge is going to be interesting because as we connect and we talk about, auto- we haven't touched on automated driving yet, um, part and parcel of, as automated driving comes into play, the implications and risks in that space are also going to be something that we need to consider. Because from a cyber perspective, as you plug everything in and you connect it and you turn your business office from your from your home or from your office office into your car, you know you're actually genuinely creating a mobile office environment that gives people who want to do bad things an opportunity to look at what you're doing, potentially look at the exploits they can gather because software is generated by people. Code is, is not pure. Let's be honest. It always requires enhancing and tweaking. And we find more and more vulnerabilities day by day. So I think from a cyber perspective, that's also going to be interesting that we've got another dimension of where you could potentially be targeted. Brad, what do you think?
0: I I think you're, you're right. You know, everything that I've seen with, with cars and, and the connected experience, right, is really what they're starting to sell. It's no longer just our car takes you from A to B. It's a you look at any any car commercial from the Super Bowl, right? It's like yeah. our car also has. It's it could be the the space that they're using, right? How many more toolboxes and storage areas can I cram into a vehicle of dead space that yeah. was wasted previously? Been- it's like oh, I didn't I didn't know I needed fourteen different storage compartments in my truck bed besides yeah. the truck bed itself. I didn't know I needed a three-step stool ladder to get up into my truck bed because I just always hopped up. But all these new things are really creating a uh, – you know, I always like to think of the car being the culmination of a person's technolo- technological purchases. Right? There's so much technology that gets crammed into these vehicles that it is probably the most advanced piece of compute that anybody will ever own. True. And so I think that experience is only going to grow more and more. As you said, as stuff gets stripped out, combustion engine, that's more room for computers. That's more room for uh, additional networking capabilities, to so making these things higher functional entities than just objects that take us from A to B. And if you look, at I that? would just
1: really well, quickly like to say, both of you laughed at the using a step stool to get into a truck. Neither of you know that issue. Both of you are way, way taller than <laughs> me. Neither, neither of you deserve the laugh there.
2: Oh. <laughs> listen listen, I don't know, my, 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 I just just I I can I can appreciate it. My wife is five foot four, so she you know she has to step up and you know she appreciates the steps in the truck. <laughs> no, we appreciate that. Thank you for keeping us honest, Christy. But you're right. We used to just assume. Um but you you raise a point, Brad, which I think is really interesting. And I think it comes down to if we think about the, this is the kind of depressing side of innovation and technology, you're right. Buying a vehicle is now probably the largest and most expensive technological purchase you will make at any one time. And that compute, computing power is exponentially growing year on year. As you strip out the stuff that no longer is requiring modification and monitoring, you know, the combustion engine, I think about uh, 2,500 moving parts in, this, in a traditional combustion engine versus something like a 1,000, not even, no, it's like 150 for an EV. There's very little moving parts for you to need to monitor. But think about all the experience elements. You've got your sat nav component that ties into it. You've got where is my vehicle? I can I can start my vehicle from scratch. I can request my vehicle come meet me uh, as we move towards autonomous driving. So there are lots more connected elements that we're going to see that over the next three, four, five years that are experience based. You know, I don't want to have to pay for a valet. I can go park you know, I can send so my car off to go park itself. And then once it's parked itself, when I come out of my restaurant, you know, I don't want to pay a valet for it. I'll just press a button and it'll come and find me. It'll even know when I'm getting up because it'll see me pick up my phone and move towards the exit so it'll, pre, it'll preempt what I need to do. All those things that we are going to see in the next three, five years as they grow also have a dimension of risk attached to them. All of those things that we see today, we are going to consider because we, all, we make risk-based decisions all the time. But what we don't think about is the, the hidden elements of what could potentially go wrong. And I think the more that we see security as a requirement, one of the things that, that certainly I've seen come up is the international standards on, on the inter- interconnectivity of vehicles. That's going to grow. That area of, of definition has to grow exponentially because you think about it, you're going to certify vehicles, that will drive themselves. No word, a, uh, you know, no word of a, the most dangerous road in the US, as I understand it, according to the, the, your Department of Transportation, is I-45, which is the freeway that goes from Dallas to Houston. I am delighted if we make vehicles electric and actually uh, make them in such a way that they are able to connect and avoid accidents. That's brilliant. I think there removing the, the, the human between the chair and the steering wheel from that equation is a fantastic opportunity. Granted, but there are also significant risks to go with it. What if the system fails? What if there are issues around the ability of the system to be controlled? If you have an error in computation, you're starting to use more and more AI. If I can use a a heuristic algorithm and I get the wrong learning, how is that going to impact the ability of this entire connected ecosystem to work effectively? And then you're think about people who do want to do this. They do want to disrupt and they do want to make money out of it because that's what they do. It is going to be another attack vector that we're going to have to be very very seriously considering now for what's coming in three five years time
1: all right jason so you shared a lot of great insight today i do want to circle back to maybe some of our our starter questions and and tie them back to the industries that you brought up so for oil and gas and automotive as well as our focus on really say connected cities you know, what do you see as security risks that are coming out right now that are shared amongst all those industries right now with this innovation, with this kind of prioritization and investment?
2: Great question, Chrissy. I think just to kind of, to really note, I think there's, there are probably two key areas of concern. One is this is a rapidly evolving environment, which is something you know, new is great. You know, we think about rocket science as, as, as an area, right? The the nature of this is it's rapidly evolving and it is something that therefore risk is not necessarily fully understood at the point at which it is being identified. It's being identified after the fact to a degree. So I think you've got to think about it in those terms. I think the other thing, which is which which is the second thing, which I think is also important is you've got some super cool niche players, the testers of this world who are really, yeah, really innovating this out and they are, they've been doing this kind of thing for 10 or so years. And then you've got the main oil majors. So significant players who've been doing traditional stuff for a long time who are pivoting into this space and that means that you're going to have a period of disruption and change in those environments so from a cyber perspective you've got traditional oil and gas that is very much focused on the long-term 25-year operational technology stack where you know air gapping is the number one security control that you have because that's what you're used to and the organization works on that basis around some very big structured investments over time. The shift into the production of electricity and the provision of of grids to actually power vehicles, that's a very, very different tech. And I think you're going to see a significant upskill need in in those specific industries as they either acquire or they move into it directly. And that's going to drive consolidation in the market too. So I think there's probably two or three areas of concern. So, Christy, in, in kind of simple summary, then, I think what we're going to see is some super exciting times in the next three, five years as things grow. And if you want to look at where technology is going, go and look at Formula One, because most of the innovations, it's funny how we go all the way back to it, right? From from your great question at the beginning and my Taipei personality, thanks for that. <laughs> um, it's all good. It's all good. Um, If you look at most major technologies that we have advanced, they have come out of Formula One from an an automotive perspective. What's super fascinating, and it's something that I was involved in back in my days in Vodafone, was the transmission of data from Formula One vehicles back to operations. Because at the time, you were limited to a pit crew of 50 total. So the entire team could only have 50 people actually at race site. So what you had to think about was the 350 engineers who needed real-time data back in their operational capabilities in headquarters. All right? So you're beaming that all around the world in literal nanoseconds to try and keep them current. We're going to see a lot more of that, which means there's going to be a lot more data coming out of vehicles. We're going to see a lot more issues around, hey, we talked about it a little bit, as your car becomes your home office um, as well as your home office, right, your mobile office. Sorry, my bad. Um, you're also going to see, well, there's considerations about data privacy, data traffic. You're going to see more data flowing across networks that we haven't done before. There's going to be a lot of potential risk areas. Think about privacy for a second. Who gets to know who's driving you know, when I'm driving my car? Who gets to know whether or not that that car is autonomous or not? Who gets to know whether or not... I'm actually actually sitting in the driving wheel the, or the driving seat or I've got my hands on the steering wheel because all that data is now being captured. And you've even got cameras in the dashboards that are actually looking at your attention span. So you've got to think about the fact there's going to be a lot more data generated because EVs are the future. What do you do with that data? How do you store it securely? How do you protect it? How do you make sure that it is appropriately consumed in the right way? All interesting questions that we probably don't have all the answers for yet.
1: But we do have more time on this podcast. So I I want to say thank you, Jason. I appreciate the time today. I know this has been a great conversation. And I think we've got a lot of questions that we can definitely come back to in future episodes. But, you know, thank you. And two, just to let you know, I also am Mercedes. So uh, type A straight with you.